step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. <laughs> Well, good evening, good evening, good morning, good night, good grief. Uh, welcome, welcome to the podcast. Uh, we appreciate you being here. You know, maybe I should um, have um, what we're going to call a unpopular opinion, <laughs> unpopular opinion series, and I am sure this program will be in that series. Maybe the first one, maybe the the uh, maybe the highest rank one for sure. Um, teacher salary should be based on results. I know that's a very unpopular opinion and unpopular view, viewpoint, but it's the one I have. And um, tonight I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to try to do my best to explain to you why I believe that is and why I don't think at this point teachers are going to make more, much more money nationwide and where I live than they do. And it's going to be inside of this nested inside of this program, some other pretty unpopular opinions. Uh, but I think that they're all valid. And um, I think they all, they will all lead you to hopefully, um, if not sharing my opinion, um, at least, at least understanding it, at least having a, a, a different viewpoint than the, um, the popular, the popular narrative that's out there that teachers aren't, teachers are in your pain. Their job is too. That job is so hard. They are, they are, you know, helping the the future of this nation. And on and on, and there you go. So uh, we we will definitely approach all those when we get back. When we get back, uh, we're going to start off with some um, some messages. If you'd like to be a, uh, a a sponsor of the program, all you have to do is send me an email at wls eight six zero at gmail dot com. wls eight six zero at gmail dot com. Let's talk. It's a lot cheaper than you think it is. Anyway, we'll be back right after these messages. Are you looking for a reliable transportation, but you don't have a bunch of money? Are you wary of used car types? And you should be. You just need a car you can afford and a dealer you can trust. Great news. Good Guy Cars is here. John Desbrow is something you don't find every day. An honest used car dealer. Good Guy Cars is at 8412 Industrial Boulevard in Tampa, Florida. The phone number is 813-999-9992. That's 813-999-9992. The web address is www.goodguycars.com.
Hi, this is Willie Lawson. You know, with so much content whizzing around out there, there's only one storytelling platform that helps you keep calm and stay informed and inspired. It's Flipboard. Yeah, Flipboard curates the world story so you can be smarter in your work, life, and play. Choose from thousands of topics to personalize Flipboard and get the latest stories from the best publishers and experts delivered to you 24-7. When you see stories that you want to save or share, just tap the plus button and add them to your private or public collections. It's that simple. It's used by millions of people every day. Flipboard is how people move themselves and the world forward. So get started now at Flipboard.com. That's Flipboard.com. In America, there are three proven ways to build wealth. Business, investment, and real estate. All three seem to have high hurdles to jump to get into. But believe it or not, real estate is the lowest of the three hurdles. And multifamily real estate investing is the best way to go. From duplexes to apartment complexes, multifamily investing brings the biggest bang for your investment buck. My friends at Buy It, Rent It, Profit and the Landlord Academy are ready, willing, and able to get you going on the path of building wealth. Contact Joe Ebanks and Brian Chavis at buyitrentitprofit.com. Buyitrentitprofit.com. Welcome back, and thank you for spending some time with us. Um, this is, I really believe this this program will be number one in our unpopular, unpopular opinion um, programs. Teacher salaries should be based on results as a title. Now, let me give you a little background. I indeed was, I was an assistant teacher um, in the Hillsborough County School District for 15 years. 15 years, and I served in a number of a number of capacities. Uh, when I first started, I was an assistant teacher in a what they call comprehensive math um, mathematics classroom. I was these <laughs> comped math is what we used to call it. Uh, comped math usually had kids in it who were struggling. I, I was in a junior high school. Um, that t- tells you how long ago it was. I was in a junior high school. But well, kids are struggling, and what I found out is that normally in a classroom where kids are struggling, struggling academically, they also end up struggling behaviorally. And it's a situation where it is better academically and maybe even safety-wise, to be honest with you. Although, although I, I, we never had a problem in, a class, in, in, in the classroom um, for there to be two adults in the room, not just one. Um, so I think that that worked re- really well. And, and, and the first um, guy that I taught with was a guy named um, James Langford. And um, Jim was awesome. Brought me right, brought me right along, taught me a whole bunch. Uh, taught, <laughs> you know, and, and, a, and a lot of what he taught me was to, uh, unfortunately, he told me to, to, to lower my expectations. And um, that way we could, you know, get down to where they actually are. 
and what they're able to do. And I was able to actually help kids. So uh, I started there to give you a, a quick thumbnail sketch. And then I, when the computer lab opened um, at my school, I worked in the computer lab because I, and basically because I was the only one not afraid to turn a computer on. And um, that was kind of my aptitude. So when Justin's Learning Corporation brought a uh, a um, a comp ed math lab to my school, uh, I asked to be the lab manager and became a lab manager because most of the lab managers weren't teachers. Most of the lab managers were assistant teachers, and I got to do that. So there you go. Um, left the system for a while. Went to actually went to work actually for Justin's Learning as a technician. And ended up coming back, and I worked for uh, a little bit as a um, an assistant teacher in an e- a- a- EMH classroom, emotionally and mentally handicapped classroom. I did that for about half a year, and then I took a long-term sub gig um, as as band director at a middle school. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've been blessed. I've, I've gotten to do a lot of stuff, uh, and I did that for uh, a half a year. And then back to the lab manager gig um, at another middle school. And then from there, uh, I ended up as an assistant teacher helping uh, in the math department, helping uh, tutoring kids on how to pass the, uh, the, the exit exam for the state. And I and, and ran a computer lab at the same time. So I uh, both things came together late in my career. Uh, I did that for uh, a bit and I was in and out of the system. I took leave of absences because I was, I was getting burned. I'm telling you, I, it, and it's easy to say now, it's easy to see now I was getting burned out. I was, I was becoming a crispy critter. I was starting to hate pretty much everything. Um, and then I ended my career at another school at a high school. Um, the school that I, that I was talking about was a high school as well. Uh, I, I left there. Um, I spent a year working in a place called the Success Center at, um, at, a, at another high school where um, kids came in and I talked to them about careers and the like. I did that um, for a year, and that was cool. That was really cool. And then um, off to um, another school where I helped in the math department, again, as their lab manager. So, And that was the end of my – that was my 15th year. 15.1 year. So that was the end of that. So I, I spent a lot of time in, I put a lot of time in, I saw really good teachers. I work with some amazing, amazing educators and I work with some schlubs, frankly. <laughs> I mean, I'm just gonna be honest with you. I work with some schlubs. I work with people who love those kids and I, I work with people who, who couldn't stand them. Yeah, but that's the way it's going to be everywhere, right? So as I look back, and I look back now, uh, I am I have become a proponent of results-based salaries for teachers, and primarily is because I think that the teachers who bust their ass and love those kids, they deserve more money than the schlubs who do the least at the least amount to get by and really don't like those kids all except 
one experience was in a school that that my time in, in, in the success center, um, I was not in a school where I was helping the kids who were struggling. So I, all my other experiences is with helping helping students who struggled primarily in mathematics, and and I just saw again I saw again really good teachers who worked their asses off and helped those kids in, in a real substantive way get better, and the others who didn't like them and didn't trust them and didn't think they could do anything and all that stuff. Treated them like crap because they thought about them like crap. I don't want those schlubs to get another penny. I want them to stay on the rookie salary until they quit. And that way we that way the system can get teachers in who give a damn about the kids. So this is why I'm going to say the things I'm going to say. Um, here recently in the state of Florida, um, the uh, the governor signed a bill. Um, with now Florida has a full-fledged, uh, finally, after 20 years, a full-fledged school voucher program. And um, it's going to help about 18,000 kids, they uh, estimate. And it's for families that have no more than 300%, who are no more than 300% above the, the, the federal poverty line, which means it's going to be about $77,000 a year for a family of four. Um, but it's only going to help like 18,000 kids you know what, in, in the entire state. So it's not a lot of kids. It, it, it's, a, it's a pretty small number of kids. To give you an example, where I live, um, the county I live in, has a school district of over 200, 220,000 students at the beginning of last year. So it wouldn't even be a big deal just here in the school district that I live in, let alone throughout the 70, 67 school districts that are here in the state of Florida. Um, but you can bet your bottom dollar teachers and teachers unions are bitching about it. They're taking money away from the already suffering um, public school system. Well, not so much, especially this year. This year, there was an increase of nearly three quarters of a billion dollars. Three quarter of almost three quarter of a billion dollars. Actually, a little more than that, $729 million in education spending over last year. The increase per student was $242 per student increase. The, the, the increase in, in educational spe- spending actually added um, provisions for, for bonuses for teachers and the like. But it did not, and one of the liberal newspapers in my area made sure that they mentioned it did not include across-the-board raises for teachers. Interesting. Across the board. That would include the great teachers that I can, I, I would, if I didn't think they would suffer because I'm talking about this, I would name them by name. Because their names are on the tip of my tongue, and I'd love to tell you who they are. Just like I like to tell you the schlubs, because their names are on the tip of my tongue as well, that they would get an increase too. 
And that's just not right. No, the narrative should be the really good teachers are under underpaid. And the and the and the, and the crummy teachers still have jobs. That's that's a problem. The problem is that te- the problem is not that teachers are underpaid. It's that the really good teachers are underpaid. And at every time there is a plan by which to reward those teachers who bust their ass for doing a good job, guess what? Teachers and teachers union rail against it every single time, which is the first prong of the problem. That when something is designed to reward the really good teachers, the others, the mediocre and the schlubs, rail against it. Because what they know is that they don't want to do anything more than what they're doing. They know that they won't measure up. So they're like crabs in the barrel. They're like pulling people down. And the really good teachers, frankly, don't, and for the most part, don't want to upset the apple cart. So there is this misconstrued, ridiculous idea that everybody should get everybody should get the same. If you've been teaching ten years and I've been teaching to ten years, we should get the, and we've been teaching the same kind of classes. We should get the same amount of money. Well, that's ridiculous because one teacher may be way better than the other. That's kind of how it is. So the the crummy teacher says, "Well, that will create a co- that will create competition and consternation in, in the school." No, no, it won't, because you don't have to know what I make. I don't have to tell you. You don't have any idea what I make. Ain't none of your damn business to start with. So, real quick, one of those things because. I, I know when I, when people talk, talk talk talking about merit based salaries in um, education, it always goes to but kids are tested enough already, and I do not disagree with you. But the testing that already exists can be used. Well, how? Well, I'll tell you what. I also understand that the um, that the playing field between schools, the school district is not even. Not even between schools in the same district. I'll give you two examples of here, and then when we get back, I will talk about what could be done, because we always have to talk about what can be done. Um, there is a place called, there's a school called Alafia Elementary School. It's always been an a, an a school. It's in a predominantly white na- neighborhood. The school itself I believe, let me get the numbers because I, I don't want to be, I don't want to be wrong. Yes. The school is predominantly white, but only 51.41% white. The second um, largest majority is Hispanic at 23.12. And then strangely enough, biracial at 9% and then black at 7.3%. Uh, it's also Four percent Asian. It doesn't have any. Oh, it's got one Indian kid in it, like one Native American kid in it. Now the other school is Sulphur Springs Elementary School. I want to talk about, and I'll give you an I'll give you idea a quick idea of the demographics here before we go to break because I think this is extremely, 
extremely important. If I can separate these pages, there we go. Uh, Sulphur Springs Elementary School. Sulphur Springs Elementary School is now Sulphur. They changed it to Sulphur Springs K through eight, um, but it's sixty-eight point five three percent black, twenty-one point nine percent Hispanic. There's one Asian kid there. There are no Native Americans there. Four point six percent biracial and uh, or multiracial, and then only four point seven eight percent white. That gives you an i. That gives you an idea. Now, the, both schools are between six hundred and eight hundred fifty kids, so there are they are of similar numbers. That would be very different. One of those schools is going to do better on standardized testing than, than, than the other. Understood. Now, you're going to have to wait because I'm going to tell you how you level that playing field right after these messages. Listen, um, this show would not be possible if it weren't for our affiliate partners. If it wasn't for people like Gary Knight at New Homes, Tampa Bay. If it weren't like Kevin Batts at theredriverchronicle.com. So um, it is um, getting near the end of the month. So let's talk about the uh, Red River Chronicle. The Red River Chronicle is a um, is, is, is a website that is full of fantastic conservative articles, conservative um, educational tools. I think that that's the coolest thing. Spent 15 years in the public teaching in the public school system. And um, you know what? These educational tools are something that, 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 that you can use yourself, that you can use in, in, in a classroom setting, that you can direct students to, sort of on the sly. Because it's, frankly, I think the, the battle is just like that. If you are a, if you're working in the, um, the public school system and you're in a um, social studies classroom, I use social studies because it's the easiest transition. And somebody and a student comes to you and says, "Where do I learn more about conservatives?" Well, the very first place you should send them is not townhall.com, is not um the Russell Ball site or 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 even the Willie Lawson show um necessarily. You need to send them right to the redriverchronicle.com. Articles written in a scholarly way, um, primarily um, information about Oklahoma and Texas, but 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 from a very conservative standpoint. And you know what, Kevin Batts is black, so that helps your students because that throws away and destroys the left's picture of who's supposed to be conservative. So you can also on that site um that that student will have access to um Hillsdale College lectures which are I think are invaluable absolutely invaluable and there's also an app that they can purchase I did it's it's all of 99 cent I purchased it it keeps you up to date with what's going on on the redriverchronicle.com website that's the redriverchronicle.com website, um, the finest 
finest in conservative information and education. All right, welcome back. Welcome back. You know, I I I set the stage up. I gave you two disparate educational examples. Uh, and on the uh, you know what, for, from the outside, it, it would look like there's no way that you could be at one school and quote compete end quote with the other. Well, you're right, but you sure can design. Metrics that allow for a success of teachers, especially at the um, the school that's going to struggle. In this case, Sulphur-Springs Elementary School is going to struggle, not because it has more black kids, but because of the area it's in, and all sorts of economic factors. Really, let's just be real, because that's how it is. A lot of schools in poorer parts of town struggle. It's just, just that's how it is. Um, so what, you, what, what we do is that we design a program by which what, and, I, and, I, and because this was part of my job, that's why I started the show with that big, long, drawn-out explanation of what I did in the system. Part of my job, most of my job was look, to looking at the, four, the, the bottom quartile of students and seeing how many of those students we could move out of the bottom quartile in testing. We didn't have to do any more testing. And, and the stakes for students didn't have to be any, any more. This was all inside baseball, inside I- internal stuff. This, this was the inside goal thing that gave us our goals to see how, what we, how we were progressing. What kind of school we had turned this into. That if a kid came in and his test scores already... Again, not more test scores, but what the the existing test scores that he had had, and if he and that if that kid was in the bottom quartile, how soon could we move that kid out of the bottom quartile? I mean, if you keep moving kids out of the bottom quartile, you know what happens to the bottom quartile? They get hot. It gets higher because that's how numbers work. If you got a kid who's a twenty-five and he needs a he needs a forty-five to be out of the bottom, bottom quartile. And then suddenly he's he's got a 47. He's out of the bottom quartile, and by the nature of numbers, the bottom the the the, the bottom of the bottom gets higher. So you you end up with a better school and a better econ, a better educational experience. So how many kids can we move out of the bottom out of the bottom quartile? What percentage of kids do you move? Now. I would, I would offer the the opinion that in a school that has some kids who are pretty low, who don't come into school at reading at grade level or at, or at, or are at, or not at grade level by second or third grade, it is probably easier to move them than the kids who may be, frankly, near the top of where they should be educationally. But I don't have, but frankly, I don't have any problem 
with with rewarding the teachers who have the harder job because of the socioeconomic um, situation that happens in some of these more disadvantaged communities. Because the job is not just hard because you have to be a great teacher. The job is hard because of all the other stuff you have to do that, you know, in some of these situations that you don't have to do in others. You understand what I'm saying? Some of the behavioral stuff that you have to put up with in some of these situations where, you know, you don't have to in others. Well, you're at Sulphur Springs Elementary School or, or and where a um, where a fourth grader will stand up in class and go, F you, I, I don't have to do that. Well, in the nice suburb school, you may not have to deal with that. You might. But how you deal with it will be completely different. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you folks, there ain't nothing in teacher school that will prepare you for getting the, getting the F-bomb dropped on you in anger by a nine-year-old. So, yeah, the, the, the gig is tough. But there are ways to reward the best and the brightest. There are ways. There are. We could start off. We could start off with not just the sign because here's here, here's some inside baseball stuff. I got about about fifteen minutes. In a lot of schools, to reward teachers, especially in high schools, to reward teachers for time served. I know it sounds like a prison sentence, right? They give them higher classes. They give them the better classes. So instead of teaching intensive math, which is the mathematics course in Hillsborough County and the state of Florida that prepares you for the exit exam. That's the only classes that are, quote, teaching the test is intensive math and intensive reading. Then you've been teaching for a while and you've been a good soldier. Um, You may not have to teach that intensive class. You will probably get maybe an algebra one class instead of an intensive class or a a geometry honors class. Or Algebra 2 class. You know what I'm saying? And hopefully you'll get a better student. Hopefully you'll get a more well-behaved student. Because students who struggle academically also struggle behaviorally normally. Not always, but normally. So classroom control is a little bit more difficult in, cla- in classrooms that where we have more kids struggling academically. And teachers who are listening will tell you that this is this is primarily, not always, but primarily the case. So maybe instead of um, having your, what happens is that it is your younger and, and least experienced teachers who end up primarily teaching some of these really important classes. So this is why the bottom, bottom quartile doesn't move. You've got your rookies teaching these classes. And how do I know this? Because, again, I've seen it. Now, how do I know that you can move this bottom quartile if, indeed, you schedule teachers differently? Now, again, if you move this bottom quartile in my system, 
te- the, the the really good teachers get paid. They get bonuses. They get paid. Why? Because then you have those students, those teachers, I'm sorry, those those teachers who are your best teachers, your master teachers, start teaching some of these classes of the kids who are struggling. You put your best teachers on it. If you were if you had a medical condition and you went to the hospital, you want them to put their best doctor on your case or on a loved one's case. Nobody, you know, and this is not fair, but nobody wants the recent graduate from med school to be their their heart surgeon or their brain surgeon. Nobody wants that person. And you know what? And medicine realizes that. I want the best guy you got. If they're going to put me under and slice my chest open, I don't want it to be the first or second time that this dude has done this or this chick has done this. I want the best you got. I want the best I can afford. Why? Because my situation is dire. So in these schools, the situation with these kids who are struggling academically, their their situation is dire. They need the very best teachers. I didn't say they need the most well-paid teachers. Because if you start paying everybody well, you start giving everybody $90,000, you will still have not that won't improve. That won't improve anything. There has been no evidence at all that if you pay teachers more, they'll be better teachers. They have to first show that they're better teachers, just like the surgeons have to first show that they're better surgeons and they can demand that money. So you start moving those teachers who are your, who are your best teachers into those classrooms and helping those, those kids who are struggling, they will move the bottom quartile. And, and, and it's been my observation that a couple of things will happen. Not only will those kids become better academically and because they are doing better in school, they'll be less problems behaviorally. There's one teacher at one of the high schools I worked at. Um, I'll give her, I'll give you a first name. First name was Sharon. And um, she was the best teacher. I've, I mean, she was the best teacher of teachers I've worked with. And I was happy to be in her classroom as an assistant. I was happy to be in her classroom to help answer que- kids' questions. But you know what she did? She, she, hell, she even did this to me. She said, Mr. Lawson will now explain this thing on the board. Mr. Lawson, would you explain this? I was like, are you sure you want, you want me to do it? I was intimidated. I was intimidated. I wanted to make sure that I had my, P, my P's and Q's uh, ready um, to explain certain things on the board, not because I didn't know them. It's because I wanted to make sure I explained it in the way that she would approve of. And I wanted her to approve of me. You, you understand what I'm saying? Um, so this is how impressed I was with her. Now, I'm, with, I'm okay that Sharon makes more money. She should make more damn money. Why? Because she, I thought that she was the best teacher in the department. I thought she was the best teacher in the, in the department. Period. And she should have opportunity to make as much bonus money as she can make. 
because she moved more kids from the bottom quartile in those classes that she taught. She taught an intensive math class than any of the other teachers, than any of the other teachers. And I'm telling you, when you walk by her classroom, she also taught college math as well. And unless you knew what period you were looking at and what kids were in that classroom and what they were and what they what their course of study was, if you were just looking out outside from from the hallway, because she was a master teacher, she was able to manage her classroom in a masterful way, you would have never been able to tell if there was a college algebra class in there, an algebra two class, geometry honors. Or intensive math, there was no way that you would have been able to tell because of her expectations and her talent in classroom management. And those kids were learning. And those kids who were struggling before, they weren't struggling as much. So guess what they didn't do? They didn't act out as much. Good teachers deserve more money. So what what we should be doing instead of trying to get this stupid idea of across the board raises, we should be teachers should be trying to find a way should be struggling and the math teachers could do it to come up with metrics that reward their best and their brightest and give other people give young teachers something to aspire to. That's what we should be doing. Any any plans, any political nonsense of offering like, and I, and I hear a couple of you know what uh, Andrew Gillum, who was a candidate for governor, was talking about across the board raises for teachers of four thousand dollars across the board, just because. What profession do you know that everybody deserves an extra four thousand dollars in their paycheck? Just be what? Which one? I'll wait. Exactly, none. Because everywhere else in the world, including where you work, raises, are, uh, raises for the most part, are merit-based. And there are some professions, if you don't, if you're not getting raises, they'll fire you. Now, I remember being a salesperson um, at a re, you know what at an electronic retail store, I worked at Radio Shack. Um, if you were just going in every day and make a minimum wage, you were probably going to get fired. If you weren't up in commission, if you weren't making more than I mean, and the guy who made the most money was the person who was probably more likely to keep their job than anybody else. The person who was who was making the most in commission. Was had more job security than the rest of us. Do you understand that the person who made the most money in a, in a retail establishment like that 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 we're that was based on commission was going to ha- was had the most job security was going to keep his job. Now for the rest of us who were only costing the company minimum wage, we were less likely to keep our jobs. Why? Because it was performance-based. You got, and I loved working on commission because you got paid on how well you did. And sometimes you had to work on your craft. Sometimes you weren't as good as the other person, and it showed. I worked in a store where um, 
It was a million dollar store, which is a lot for for a small Radio Shack store that sold 39 cents fuses. But I work with a woman uh, in that million dollar store. She easily did 50 to 60 percent of the sales all by herself. Easily. Every year. For 20 plus years. She was really good at what she did. And deserved every nickel that she made. She worked hard for her customers. Including driving around to different stores to pick up material. Getting stuff from not only other stores in the area, but sometimes stores from across the country. Making the phone calls. She worked her butt off. She worked her butt off for her customers. And she was rewarded for it. And she should have been. And was able to walk away from that job on her own terms when she retired. You understand what I'm saying? This is what I think life ought to be. Now, again, I'm I'm looking at this Facebook group I'm in. It's called Reconstruct Ed. It's a message to Governor DeSantis. Um, it's the name of the group. And it's, an, it's a Washington Post article about the myths about standardized testing. There are a lot of myths about the value of standardized testing. Well, it's like anything else. You can't talk about anything unless you can generalize, and standardized testing generalizes. But this is not a discussion about, general, uh, about standardized testing. This, this, that whole idea is that teachers, as much as they say they want to be held accountable, they really don't. Now, here's the other un, un, unpopular opinion, and I know I'm only giving like three minutes to get crazy about it, is that teachers don't make very much money and they don't think differently because a bunch of teachers and administrators are women. And it isn't because the men who get to decide are holding them down. It isn't. It's because at every cockamamie, dumbass thing that comes down from either the school board or it comes down from the state education board or it comes down from the Department of Education, every dumbass cockamamie scheme, unfunded teachers, it's because they take on a maternal sense, try to make stuff work. I heard about, I mean, when I was talking about this in the group, I heard from a bunch of teachers who said, well, you don't know how much money I spend buying things for my classroom, buying things for my student. And you know what I said? Stop buying it. That's part of the problem. Nobody knows it's broken because you won't let it be broke. But the kids will suffer. No, they won't. They won't. They'll have exactly what the system will pay for. Who does that? Who in other professions decide they're going to take their money and then they're going to go and buy tools for the tools for the um the, the pet boy store they work for? Really? That they work for pet boys and the lift one of the lifts is broken. So one of the so the employees get together and buy a lift for pet boy. Who does that? Nobody does. 
what needs to happen is that we need to move away from this maternal viewpoint of education to more of a paternal. This is is how we're doing it. More of a, a male mentality. Otherwise, we are going to always have the very same thing. Teachers' salaries should be based on results. Nothing else. Not emotions, not feelings, not narratives. Results. Your job is so important. We need to make sure that you're doing it and doing it well. My name is Willie Lawson. Again, welcome to the podcast. Until we see you again, go out there and learn something, love somebody, and for goodness sakes, take care of yourselves. We'll see you when we see you. Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.